grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There are thousands of Christian denominations in the United States. You can go into any town in America, except for maybe Arcadia, and see hundreds of different churches, all of these different branches, enough flavors to make Baskin-Robbins blush, right? This is where the church is at in 21st century, not just in America, but all throughout the world. The church, the one church of Jesus Christ, is divvied up and divided into countless denominations. And so for us to talk about church unity can feel a little bit silly. I'll just be honest with you. It feels a little bit like going to the Meat Eaters Conference and talking about all the virtues of veganism, right? Like that ship has sailed. I'm sorry. We just can't hear you about how the church is united when we look at our world and we see that she is so awfully disunited. But in our text for this evening from Ephesians, Paul wants to point us to a deeper source of our unity. That even while there is a surface disunity that is, is real and that exists and that is something to be grieved over and to, to um, seek to remedy as much as we are able in this life, even while there exists that surface disunity, he says there is still at the same time a deeper unity which is born and preserved and comprehended by the gifts of the triune God. That that is the, the true source and substance of the church's unity. If we want to understand what it means for this body of Christ to be united, don't look with your eyes at all the different names on the church signs, but instead with the eyes of faith, look to God's word and hear what he says about the source of this unity that we have within the body of Christ. Over the last several weeks, as we've been getting into Paul's letter to the Ephesians, this has been our theme, all things united. We've seen how humanity is united in the Christ who is our peace. Last week, we talked about our prayers being united to the Father, who is the Father of all. And tonight, we talk about the body united, the body of Christ, the unity of the church. And I want to break it down as we walk through the lesson here, and I encourage you to keep your worship folder handy as we're just going to work our way through the text. I want to break it down into three parts. The causes of unity, the expressions of unity, and then finally, the aims of unity. Those three things, causes, expressions, and aims of the unity of the body of Christ. First of all, the causes for the church's unity. Before we get to what Paul has to say here, it's been interesting in America over the last, I don't know, 30 or maybe even 40 years now, there have been church gurus. They have gone by the name of church growth gurus. And they unlocked what they have felt like is a real key to understanding how to make churches larger. This started in the late 80s and then into the, into the early 90s where pastors and you know, uh, some of these, these consultants would come into a community and they would recognize, you know what, here's the problem. Yes, you guys are trying to grow your church. You're, you're uh, trying to appeal to all different sorts of folks, young and old, rich and poor, of different political persuasions and races and all these different things. And they said, look, if you really want to grow, you got to just find your target market and you got to reach it aggressively. See, people don't like hanging out with people who are different from themselves. Instead, they want to be with people who are like them. And so that's what you need to appeal to. This was kind of the fundamental insight of the so-called church growth movement. 
People don't like being with people who are different than themselves. Wow, that sounds so Christian, right? I'm sad to say that this is a movement that has continued unabated in many ways still to this day. And that's not to say that every large church has subscribed to this or has forced it into this kind of mold. But this has been a, a persistent issue within the body of Christ. We're not meant to be a church. We're not meant to be a mall as the church, just trying to tailor ourselves to consumer needs so that we can find a, a target market where everybody is alike. By no means. The body of Christ is inherently diverse and united across all sorts of different boundaries because our unity doesn't come from our affinities, see? Our unity comes from the Trinity. And this is what Paul sets out here. So if you look at verses 4 and following, he says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Seven ones that Paul lists there, and seven is a very biblical number, a number of completeness, that within this unity there is also a completion. And he speaks of it, first of all, as that the Trinitarian foundations, one spirit, one Lord, one Father who is over all, that out of the, the love of the Trinity, that is the true source of our unity, as the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit creates us and redeems us, makes us in His united image. So you have that Trinitarian foundation, and then you have this, if I can put it this way, a sacramental superstructure, okay, where we are founded upon the triune God and we are built up with one faith, one hope, one baptism. Now, I say this a lot, but the water of baptism is thicker than human blood, see? That's what unites us as we are, are uh, branded by the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we are united to the risen Christ, yes, and also to the other members of his body. You know, we talk that way, church membership, and I think we've forgotten the, the metaphorical basis of that term. We might otherwise say that you've become a limb over at Trinity Lutheran Church, right? This is the idea, that to be a member is to belong to the body. It's limbship, see? And it is born out of this love of God. The Trinity himself is the source of our unity. So if we want to understand what does it mean to be united, we ought not look to all of the things that uh, uh, from a human perspective we have alike, but instead how we have been loved and brought together by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what truly unites us. All right, so then Paul turns from there to verses uh, 7 through 12. I want to continue there. He says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. There's a real tongue twister in there for you. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay. So here he's talking about what are the expressions of the unity that we have? What does it look like for us to live out that unity? And here too, I think sometimes we have a false idea of what it means for the church to live in this united way. 
there was this famous commercial that Apple put out. Some people said it was like a paradigm-shifting commercial in the 80s, and it was brought back for the Super Bowl this year. Do you remember this? It was 1984, and it was playing off of the idea of, of course, George Orwell's famous book, 1984. And in the commercial, it was everybody just walking in lockstep, boom, 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 boom. And then they all sit down in the room, you know, they're all just kind of automatons sitting there. And then you've got the person who comes running in and like destroys the screen, take, and this is like an Apple commercial, so it's like, hey, look, we're different, was the idea. But my point in bringing that up is not because this sermon is sponsored by Apple, although if they're open to it, um, but instead to point out that this is not how the church expresses her unity that we're just automatons, all having to be the same, act the same, say the same all the time. That's not it. I mean, this is, again, where this metaphor of the body comes in so helpful. And this is how Paul especially develops it elsewhere. He says, look, you're not all toes. You're not all eyeballs. You're not all noses. All of us belong to the body of Christ. But we have different gifts. We have different functions. God uses you in different ways. And it is a beautiful and profound thing. Just as I look around in this church, I know that there are some of you who love working with numbers. We've got engineers here who just get excited when you see a spreadsheet. Others of you, you see a spreadsheet and you run in the other direction, right? Praise God that he is all of us. We have artists, musicians, people right-brained, left-brained to go along with the body of Christ, right? We've got all of these different facets, all of these different members, and this is how God has arranged it. It's a wonderful expression of the church when we are all functioning in these different ways. And I want to speak for just a moment here into where the pastor fits in. See, see, the pastor, Paul goes right to that place and he talks about the apostles and prophets, evangelists, and the, the pastors and teachers. So what's the pastor's job or what's his place within the body of Christ? And some would say, well, the pastor is obviously the butt of the body of Christ. No. That he's the, he's the feet. He's the one who gets down to dirty to serve the body of Christ. That's the picture that we have in the scriptures. The job of the pastor is not to be above the body, but to be beside her, with her, even beneath her, lifting her up. That's why I'm here, see. Not to lord it over you, as Jesus says, but instead to come alongside you, to help equip you for the works of service that God has already prepared in advance for you. So that all of us in our different vocations and using the different gifts that God has given to us through his Holy Spirit are able to function well as his body and serve our neighbors well. And here, this is where I like to, to wrap theological a little bit. Not wrap as in, okay. But uh, to think about the sig theological significance of that most Lutheran of things, the potluck. Okay? I don't know if you've thought recently about the theological significance of the potluck, but you should because what is a potluck? A potluck is a coming together of the body of Christ, all of us offering our different gifts. Where would we be in the potluck if we didn't have you know, some of Kathleen's treats that she makes? Like, if anytime you want to make your toffee, Kathy, and bring it by, we are glad to have it. It's a blessing to the body of Christ, especially this body of Christ. Um, all of the members of God's body, as they bring their casseroles, as they bring their jello molds, as they bring those different contributions, you see how that's an expression of what it means for us to be the church, the body united. If we only had casseroles, you know, we would be filled up, but it wouldn't be as delicious as it is. We have that diversity of gifts and contributions and expressions building up God's people in love.
So Paul speaks of the, the causes of this body united, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and his gifts, the expressions of that unity, that it's not just all walking in lockstep, but it's all these many diverse expressions as the body of Christ. And then finally, we have the aims, the purposes of this unity. Picking up in verse 13 of chapter 4, he says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What Paul is saying is that this unity of the church is not for nothing. This building up of the body has a purpose. I mean, you ever see those bodybuilders where it's like they don't have a reason for building up their body, but it's like except to just get really big? And it's like, what's the point of just having biceps so large that you can't even brush your own teeth? You know what I'm saying? This is not the picture that we have here, the unity of the church. The building up of the body is toward a particular end and goal, and actually three of them. Maturity, stability, and charity. Maturity, stability, and charity. First of all, maturity. As Paul says, we are to be made maturing into mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, coming more into his likeness. I got this uh, direct mail piece. This is a number of years ago. A direct mail piece in the mail from a, a local church, one of these big churches that was working on their target marketing, I guess. And they had this funny kind of... Um, uh, well, they, they didn't mean it this way, but what it said on the direct mail is, hey, look, we have children's church for all ages. <laughs> and I read that and I said, oh, that's probably more true than you intended to be. Children's church is a wonderful thing. Sunday school is great, but we're not supposed to stay there. God's desire is for the continued maturity of the body of Christ. And that comes through together working in unity. We're able to encourage and spur one another on. Secondly, stability, no longer tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. We have a, a running story that I tell, nighttime, bedtime story to the kids, uh, especially to my son Louis, Louis the buoy. We talk about Louis the buoy, and Louis the buoy constantly gets himself, you know, storm-tossed, sent out into Lake Michigan. He has to find his way back home because Louis the buoy is not anchored, right? He does not have that stability. We don't want to be Christians like Louis the buoy. Instead, we want to be anchored. We don't want to be dinghies, we want to be freighters, right? We want to be bound to our Lord Jesus, stable in our faith, so that come what may, we're able to stand fast, stand firm. And when the church is united, she has that kind of stability. And then finally, charity. And by charity, I don't mean just you know, giving away, giving things to the poor, but I mean charity in that more classical, traditional sense of love, that outpouring of love, as Paul says, the body, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the ultimate goal of the unity of the church. Not that everybody is the same, not that everyone is, a, is alike, but that we are able to encourage one another, spur one another on, and serve each other in love. And as I've been reflecting this week 
on what this looks like as the church lives united. I was given a beautiful metaphor for this from our friend Bob Unger. Now, just I'll brag on Bob here, and I think he knows what I'm going to say already. But uh, for some of you who have joined the evening prayer services over at camp all throughout the summer, one of the uh, recurring themes or uh, services that we use is from an ancient, or not ancient, but a contemporary um, meditative pattern of worship called Tezei. And Tezei has this, um, has a repetitive structure, but it's not mere repetition. It continues, it layers. Many times it'll start with a soloist or a cantor who will first bring it in. Then you start to hear other voices come in as well. And then on top of that, you have uh, different musical instruments, whether it be a violin or flute or piano. And all of these different um, uh, elements come in. And I thought, this is what the unity of the church is really like. It's this weaving together, this wonderful symphony, all of these different voices and sounds working together in harmony. And friends, when the church is united, when we live that way together as the body of Christ united, we make beautiful music together that's not only a blessing to us, but to a listening world as well. God grant us to live that way as the body united. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We stand for prayer.